0: Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello team and welcome back to the Make an Impact show. Today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is how to find your tribe and foster community. Why is it one of my favorite topics? Well, you should know this by now. We are obviously Creative Impact and all we do is at the heart of our membership and our members' and making sure that we can support our people to grow. So not only I'm talking about finding your tribe today, but I'm joined with one of our very own members, Rachel Evans, who actually used to be one of our, I would say, first ever joining members. So she's been with the Creative Impact family for a very long time. And for me, being able to talk to our members, being able to showcase their work and their story is one of the most rewarding things. And you'll hear a lot about that today but you're not just going to hear about that. You're also going to hear about understanding how to face some struggles when it comes to dealing with triggers, but also sharing information online, how to create a relatable message whilst also setting boundaries, and obviously putting your community first. We're going to talk about a lot of other things. It's going to be quite an intense and wonderfully swirling conversation because, as I said, knowing Rachel and having seen her journey is so exciting to see and now thrive, with her brand, with her business and with all of her work. Rachel is actually Dr. Rachel Evans and she's a chartered psychologist and clinical hypnotherapist and she specializes in eating disorder recovery. Having suffered from orthorexia and bulimia herself, Rachel understands the sensitive nature of the conditions firsthand and draws on her personal experience, her skills and academic knowledge to help her clients and an online community, which is what we're going to talk about today. She also is the host of the Just Eat Normally podcast and has been featuring Vogue, Psychologies, Elle, Marie Claire, and many more. I hope you're going to love this episode. There are going to be some throwbacks. So if you've been following us for a while, or if you've been knowing us for a long time, you might remember some of the things that Rachel and I will be mentioning as we go down memory lane. This is actually a good time as well because our membership is open once again after having closed these doors for winter. As we're just kicking off the year and we're looking to actually make 2022 the best year yet, if I say so myself, if you want to join us, join the community and our fellow members, now is the right time. All you have to do is go to creativeinpod.group slash collective to find out more and join us. With monthly events, a ton of resources and weekly check-ins and goal-setting sessions with myself and the members of the team we are here to create a safe space for you to thrive and for you to get the support you need in order to grow a profitable, happy, and impactful brand. So to find out more, go to Group slash collective. But first and foremost, let's listen to today's episode. And I'm so excited for you to meet Dr. Rachel Evans. Good day, Squirrel Friends, and good day, Rachel. How are you doing today? Yeah, very good, thanks. How are you? I am excited, as you can hear from the voice. But I'm going to give us context to why I'm excited, because we obviously have talked a lot throughout the years and we, when we talk we always remind ourselves of like how long you've been following our journey and obviously how long will we will be following yours like as a by as a bypass of that and so it's really nice to be able to talk together about obviously the present and what you're doing right now and all that you have achieved but also you know the transitions that you've had and the lessons because I'm going to be very modest we played a small part in that as well and it's been nice because we've been able to see that and I think these days, we see a lot of the results and the byproducts of the journey, uh, because it's fair enough. That's how I guess you know the online world has been working recently. But we came from a time where a lot of us have pivoted and changed it, and we definitely kind of all took a big turn. So, really, really excited to dive deep into that because I know a lot of people are interested in that side of the journey as well.
1: Yes, I was thinking. I think I first met you five years
0: ago. Look at us. Thank you. Go. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. And again. So that would be, well, so we know everything, but our listeners don't. So it's very important mm-hmm. that we give them a bit of context. So i got three icebreaker questions just to prep them as well to the world of Rachel a bit more. So the first one that I have for you, Rachel, and it's one that even I would be interested to see the answer oh, to. Okay. And that is, <clears throat> what would be a trivia category you'd be really good at and why?
1: A trivia category. Oh my gosh. I feel like these icebreaker questions would be easy, but my brain is like, what? I'm going to um probably a trivia category that doesn't even exist, but about lifesaving. You might know about me. I was a lifeguard and then I also did um, competitive lifesaving, which is a sport. It's kind of like swimming, but we also do like first aid and stuff in a competition and you get marked on certain things. Um, I did that for 12 years. I don't do it anymore because it doesn't really fit with my schedule and stuff. But yeah, I know a lot about that like, at international level, international level. So kind of a fun, fun I hope I would know <laughs> about it still.
0: I love that. And as you say, it's um, it's one of those things as well where a lot of people feel like, oh, I have to think about trivial pursuit kind of like categories. I'm like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. It's your category. You can just, that's why you're going to be the best at it because you know more than anybody else. So I love this. And now I'm a bit worried about my second question because it might answer it, but maybe not. Because my second question is, again, looking back and mm-hmm. is asking you, what is the first job you've ever had and what did you learn from it? So are we still going into this realm or is it going to be something different?
1: Oh, wasn't really a job, but I'm going to say like, experience of making money when I was 16 we did a world challenge I'm not sure if anyone knows what that is but it's basically like you go for a month to a different country and you do like a volunteer project and some trekking and some like sightseeing and stuff but we had to raise like £3,000 which is a lot of money. And it's especially a lot of money when you're 16 um, years old. So we did some like group fundraising stuff. Then I like cut my like granddad's grass, which was like really small amount of grass. And he gave me like 10 pounds. I suppose what I learned from that mm, just, and I think this is going to come out a lot more as well when we're talking, like, I don't know how to phrase it not rely on your friends, but like sort of help each other out. Like my granddad didn't have to give me that money, but he was my granddad, so it's like, oh, I'm going to help her out. And probably I helped my friends with kind of their projects and stuff. And I know I've been helped a lot by formerly health bloggers, now Creative Impact. So I think just making those connections can be really important.
0: I love that. And now I have a question related to what you just said though, as well. Where did you go then for that month? Where, where did oh. you go? Have- did you do yes we went to Ecuador
1: and uh we did a lot of trekking because some people were also doing Duke of Edinburgh and so they needed to do these massive long treks um which was nice but the problem was we didn't buy enough food because we're only 16 and we've not done this big trek before we didn't know how much to buy so we ended up having like um sandwiches that had been in someone's backpack for like two days for like lunch and it was Funny memories but also could have gone a lot better but it was it was nice to go and see a different country and it was a lot of build-up as well because it was like two years preparation as well.
0: And the funny thing about this as well talking about obviously you kind of paying it forward and going into the trekking and I love the side way of yes because we were 16 we did definitely not plan everything the right way and I've been there myself. Maybe not, not as big of a plan, but I can think of how many holidays or like times away of summer camps we did and we were definitely underprepared. So I understand that. But it's interesting because it goes back to my third question, like, everything is linked, i love it, which is related to obviously what we do and the podcast name and everything. And it's what does making an impact mean to you, Rachel, and why?
1: Oh, what does it mean to me? Good question. Um, because I think... I often shy away from thinking, oh, I'm making an impact in a big way. It's kind of scary to me. But I suppose it is about, hmm, good question, helping people. Or if I say, "Um, well, I know <laughs> a lot about eating disorders. So I suppose me making an impact in that area would be sharing my opinion, sharing knowledge that maybe other people don't have. And then I think if you take it that next level higher when someone's passionate about certain cause and almost campaigning for that for that bigger change but I think you can make an impact on a smaller level just by having a conversation with someone
0: that is actually a good reminder because we talk about it a lot because it's a loaded question and I appreciate that it's like oh god and it's hard <laughs> because you think about it in different levels you think about obviously the bigger impact or the bigger scale but then you also think okay how can I just start sometimes that first step and as you say a lot of the time starts with conversation and it almost leads me to bit of a thinking process and also a question within that which is you talk about very sensitive topics and obviously you have the experience the expertise and the knowledge to do that but it doesn't mean that you know actually it means even more so that you appreciate how sensitive they can be and how you can present them to, to your audience and I believe that sometimes we don't realize that like actually thinking about the fact that what we put online especially when it's not just you working with your clients, but it's actually you engaging with the wider community. And as you say, supporting bigger causes or being vocal more actively. I want to, I wanted to see that was a reflection, but also wanted to ask you has been any, any time, like not necessarily a fear, but an element of consciousness about, okay, I'm going to share this. I need to make sure that I'm sharing it the right way, or how can I share these things in a way that resonates with my audience, but also is appreciating their struggles and things that maybe are not so clear when it comes to some of these topics, because I think it can be hard sometimes to thread in these waters when it is a very sensitive topic, especially when you dive into deep in, um, eating disorder and some of these deep levels.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and this is just a very broad generalisation, and obviously having have disorder myself, um, I've got the personal experience of it, that there are a lot of things that can be triggering and also those things will be different for different people. So it kind of almost is you sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, I can't say anything without upsetting someone. So I think for me, it's been about finding, okay, what well, feels good to me? How can I be careful with using examples? Because I think if you don't use examples, everything is so vague that you've you know, got to use some. But even um, like this week, I was on Instagram, I was seeing some accounts um, and sort of eating disorder recovery accounts that seem quite popular. And they kind of use examples of eating disorder behaviours. I'll just use this for the <laughs> Now I'm like, oh, this is what I don't say on mine, but some people feel good to say, so it's not a good or a bad thing. But for example, um, people who are restricting might be worried to have a coffee that's very milky, because the' kind of like extra calories from milk, whereas that's not something that I feel like I want to say on my Instagram account or even often on podcasts obviously I'm using the, the example now because I know that when I was really struggling with restricting I would look at that and the intention of the person making the content is to say you don't have to be scared of this but my brain would twist it to like oh but they were scared of that maybe I should be scared of that too so I don't say stuff like that but then there's probably examples that I would use that other people would think oh I wouldn't use that example so I think it's just finding what you're comfortable with and also knowing that that might change And I think if I got feedback from people saying, oh gosh, that was really triggering, which I don't often, um, then it might cause me to reflect on it and change what I'm doing. Does that answer the question? I don't know.
0: (laughs) No, it does. And I think you also point out the importance of some of the things that maybe we think or that some of the ways that we approach actually having a conversation or bringing up some topics. And I love that you mentioned that if you do get some feedback of people saying this triggered me or this, you know, this brought me to kind of go into a, a different kind of thought, then you actually understand better your community and better what works for them and what doesn't. And I think it can be really hard, especially when you want to publicly support, share, provide information, as you say, without also examples, that's very important, your content is going to be relatable in one way or another. So whether you use your example or examples in other ways, there will be some elements that, as you say, will actually lead to people relating to them for better or for worse. And I think it can be really hard because being very honest and going back almost like eight years ago, especially when you were a health and wellness professional, but in general, we will meet people one-to-one. We will be, a lot of the conversation we had were private. A lot of these relationships were built in a different space. Right now, they're built into the masses. And so I think it's really important to remember that it's okay to set your own boundaries and it's okay sometimes to go with what your gut is telling you that is right or is safe. And then if you are open, which I love that you mentioned, to listen to what people tell you and understand how to adapt to that, that sometimes is all you can do because it can be really hard, can it?
1: I'd also jump, jump in and say, okay, sometimes people do message me and I think, do you know what? I'm not going to adapt to that. You're kind of not my target audience um in a way obviously I don't want to say stuff that's going to be triggering but like I say everything could be triggering and so I would I can't give advice in DMs or stuff but I would you know try and be polite to that person but occasionally I do think mm, but that message wasn't really for you which you can't help when it's online and anyone could see it. So I think just based on that point, I know that's not the um, topic of the conversation, but for people who are consuming the content as well, to be very mindful of how is it making you feel, you know, when you're engaging with certain things, someone else might find it inspirational, but you're, you know, finding it really triggering or upsetting for whatever reason, you can unfollow as well. I try and like, yes, it's my responsibility as a creator for what I'm putting out, but also it is people's responsibility as a consumer. To consume, you know,
0: what they're choosing to. Well, that makes 100% sense. And I think it's really important to remember that there's always the choice that if the content doesn't resonate, the stories even don't resonate, you know, it's okay to actually choose to obviously fill your feed or whatever you're using with things that resonate with you and actually help you. And if they don't, as you say, then maybe you're not my target audience. And I guess that goes a bit deep into my question is almost uh, you've been obviously kind of transitioning and Obviously from Healthy and Psyched, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) the old blog itself. But in general, like we all transition anyway. And I was wondering, you talked about target audience. So I'm going to kind of look back into this as well. This might be a bit of a reflection moment. So it might be that we're going to go into the answer slowly. (laughs) I appreciate that. But I'm wondering, did you, you know, you said that, you know, your target audience, so you kind of know who you're talking to. Is it a process that you did consciously? You actually sat down and said, this is my ideal client. This is the people that I'm talking to. Or you feel more it happened gradually as you evolved, as you got the feedback, as you saw the people there were attracted to you. It's different for everyone, but I always find it interesting because a lot of people think there's one way to understand who you're talking to and who you should. And I believe that actually there are different ways and it's interesting to hear how people come to their community, their tribe or whatever you want to call them.
1: Yeah, I think mine has changed quite a lot. So in the beginning, you mentioned Healthy Insights. So I had a health food blog some like healthy living stuff on there as well and that started from an Instagram account in 2015 my favorite time for Instagram because it was when it was time-based and then everyone in the morning who liked breakfasts would put their breakfast on and we would all look at each other's smoothie bowls and porridge and be like oh that's so nice and I just really enjoyed that at the time it was like part of my routine to make my smoothie bowl and then I think from that I saw what was kind of popular and then, you know, tweaked it more towards that. So maybe that was like oats and stuff, like putting zucchini in your oats because it's like, oh, it's so healthy. I don't do that anymore because I realized I don't actually enjoy it. Um, but at the time, you know, I was, I was enjoying that. So I think, oh, and then I did Veganuary in 2016, like Vegan January and decided to to remain vegan but I would say a percentage of that decision maybe like 25% or so was because I was like these vegan posts are getting so many more likes so it wasn't purely for the animals some of it was the animals because I thought it was healthier but I was also like oh this is good for my kind of blog and I wasn't really making money from it the first year obviously because you're just setting up and growing so I think the blog was more influenced by what is going on in wellness culture what are people liking what should i make a recipe for if i saw like oh there's the keto trend oh i'll make some brownies that are keto or like brownie gluten-free brownies or whatever i was kind of like quite focused on the buzzwords and then at the time i actually had was struggling with my eating disorder i thought it had got better from what it was um, but i didn't really realize i'm still have a lot of disordered eating habits and exercise habits and um, which then got a lot worse sort of the second year that I had my blog and then I had bulimia and then I just didn't really dedicate the time to my blog um, I was trying to recover I was kind of moving away from like the super healthy eating and in inverted commas um but like <sighs> I got a lot of myself worth from the blog because it was doing quite well I'd worked with some brands and stuff and I kind of wasn't ready to give that up because I didn't know well who am I without this, this is kind of my thing now like Rachel's the healthy one Rachel makes these recipes and takes these pictures and gets these likes on on Instagram so that was kind of a difficult period it wasn't really consistent I didn't really know what I was doing I was trying to do my old formula for what I was doing I had worked before but it wasn't really fitting with what I wanted to do now and then I started my Business, I realized that I want to work with people um, who are recovering from an eating disorder. I was doing my PhD in psychology at the time. Not really sure what happened in that interim. Like I was kind of saying, like, oh, I'll work with you with emotional eating because I'd not done my specific eating disorder training then. But I knew about habits, I knew I'd done a master's in health psychology, like I knew enough. Um, to kind of start implementing with people and then I think it was really only when I finished my PhD that I got really super clear like this is what I'm doing I decided to close my blog uh, because to be honest it hadn't been very active for a while but changed all my Instagram handles which was kind of sad but it felt really good to be like okay that was one chapter I really enjoyed it like I met loads of amazing people through it like all these good things happened but that is not me anymore i disagree with a lot of the things i was saying and i don't know if you know like um, pixie turner she had a healthy blog and she kind of went through it all and edited all her recipes and stuff with her new ideas and beliefs and stuff which i i like the idea of it but the thing is my blog was on wordpress and i don't know what was the matter with it but it was so slow to like upload and stuff and I thought I cannot be dealing with going through because I had like about 20 or more pages of blog posts I was like I just can't <laughs> like I've had hundreds of posts but I can't do it. I'm just going to say goodbye also it's the money as well isn't it that you have to spend hosting all of these things um so that's a goodbye and then I think I've changed more to thinking actually who do I want to work with who are my target audience so I had bulimia um, I enjoy working with people who are recovering from bulimia more than I enjoy working with people who are recovering from anorexia I do also do it I have some wonderful clients um, who have struggled with anorexia but I know the kind of clients that I want now so you now my content will be tailored towards that not always sometimes I think well that's popular on social media or oh lots of people are talking about this I'll talk about that too so it's not all intentional I'd be lying if I said it was I'm not very organized but it it has transitioned a lot from what it was because I think as well for a business now where I'm wanting clients where we really want to want one I think it requires a different strategy than just oh people come and look at my website and get views it's kind of a different different ballgame I don't know what you think
0: no I agree and I, there's, there's an element of intention in the showing up as well and I mean <clears throat> not to sound the marketer in the room which I know I am but it's almost like the journey that you want to get to people and I always say this there is a I actually was talking to them, some of our accelerator students, about this literally this week, and I was saying that in an ideal world, you get new audiences. They find you. They're like, "I love Rachel. I'm gonna start working with that tomorrow because she speaks my language." But most likely, it's not because nobody would marry somebody after they met them like two days before. If they do, then question some of your life choices, kids. And it works the same when it comes to any type of commitment. And If it's a commitment that is big enough to get people to think about whether it's a financial investment, a time investment, then they will need time and they will need time to get to know you. So as you say, views are great, reads are great, but then it's like, how are you actually creating an intentional journey for them that helps them getting to know you in a way that feels good to you and it feels good to them. So I do agree. And as you say, it changes the dynamic as well, but also... I wanted to go back to what you mentioned about collaborations and the power of connections, because obviously we talked about community as in your target audience, but I also believe that to help you reach another set of your target audience, but also to help you grow and to help you keep you sane, it's good to also have a network and a community and, you know, and find ways to collaborate with others. So going back to finding your tribe and obviously your community, how do you find if it did that, having collaborations and opportunities with other people has helped you with that. What, has it opened some doors? Has it helped you try new things or find new people or change your perspective in some ways?
1: Yeah, I think definitely. I think um, joining health bloggers and stuff was really nice because back in the day, pre COVID, I'm not sure what's going on now, but um, back in the day, you know, the in-person meetups were just so nice that you can go and find other people if they've got a similar blog you can kind of do a post swap or something like that and like you said even just for the mental health side of things and the social side of things just having someone um to talk to I think that's what I really missed um during lockdown I did try and have like zoom coffee with some of my friends but it wasn't the same as like going out and um I live in Derby and previously as well we had like women in business meetups and stuff which were like sounds a bit formal but they weren't they were quite informal Um, and chatty and I think sometimes when people don't have a business or a blog or whatever it is they don't understand what you're talking about in the same way as someone who does like my husband can be very supportive but sometimes he's kind of like why are you still talking about that thing that's so important to me but he's like but just let it go and I'm like no I can't I need to like thank this some more um so I think having that support side of things but like you say the collaborations actually now what I do more so is um have people on my podcast or obviously like this I'm a guest on other people's podcasts because I've realized like I like chatting a lot more than writing an Instagram post because an Instagram post is very black and white people say stuff like it's a fact when it's not really it's kind of just their opinion which actually from doing the oh what was it called you know that qualification thing oh it's got to skip my head with okay. Sarah
0: oh yeah yeah we did the register of I mean, influences as well that was yes, it. yeah, that yeah, was yeah, so
1: yeah. helpful for me to think about the content and sort of how I'm writing it because there's so many things that people say especially around eating disorders as well like it's about, like it takes this long to recover recovery is hard and I'm like Well, it can be hard, but it's a bit more nuanced than that. Some bits can actually be easier. And so, yeah, I'm just really enjoying podcasts and collaborating on that side of things at the minute. But I think they've kind of only been popular more recently, haven't they, in the past three or so years, maybe. Or maybe I just started listening to them then. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I mean, I remember I had my first podcast, and I mentioned it a few times on the show, probably... Five years ago, maybe six, before before the DHBC, now Creative Impact. And so they were both separate. I don't think any of them were actually related to Creative Impact. So the Make an Impact show, which started when we rebranded, that's the only one that has been linked to this. But because I'm a journalist by trade, aside from other things, As you said, I always loved interviewing people because I really like to get to understand them. Like I'm curious by nature, I guess you can say. So for me, I've always had an eye out. And because it was less of the podcast, some of the ones that were quite popular, I would not. But I think, as you say, like these days, people are wanting to have this different voice. And there's a different sort of relationship and a different sort of connections that you create when you're talking to people. One thing that I would say for anybody listening, especially if you want to be guests in podcasts and such, you always have to remember that nevertheless, it still has to be a great experience for the listeners. And I know it sounds really weird, but I always have that in mind uh, to the best of my capabilities. Even when I'm being a bit of a doof, I do it because I know that that's the tone. But I also try to obviously think about what can the listener get out of this, whether I'm a guest in another podcast or whether it's my own because we have two. Separate ones. So, really make sure that that's clear. And I think I just want to say this, even if it's not exactly related to the question we're talking about, because I know that, as you say, it's growing in popularity and it's great, but it's still a way to actually give something back to the audience that you are presenting yourself to, which obviously you're doing really well. And it's not just a case of you kind of talking about your life story because it's great, but people want to draw a lesson from it. And I think it's really important to remember that, especially when you're trying to to reach people that actually want to then connect with you and become your tribe.
1: Yeah. Can I just say something else on the podcast as well? Um, Because this was something that I did talk to my husband about several times and he was probably like, well, just let it go. Um, And I knew I should, but it still bothered me. So I did a podcast recording for a um, brand who basically, they sell kind of healthy eating, again, inverted commas, like oat milk and keto products and these kind of things online kind of in bulk for cheaper than you could just go and buy one at the supermarket. So that was our premise. We I kind of got in touch with the person who runs it because we were both doing like a Instagram live during eating disorder awareness week for a different brand. And then he was like, oh do you want to come on the podcast? And I was like yes. And uh, we were kind of talking about when does healthy eating kind of become unhealthy? When is like orthorexia um, too clean eating. So I kind of went on, said my piece. I tried to tone it down a little bit because I know his audience are doing certain diets. I don't want to offend anyone, but I also want to say, if you can't eat out of the pub with your friends, you know, these kind of key risk factors for it. So that was okay. And then I did think about it afterwards because I listened to some of the other episodes and I was like, ooh. What I'm saying does not fit with their message or I like bought something from their company to kind of support them. And I got that email list and I was like, oh, oh, God, they're saying eat mushroom noodles instead of normal pasta, which just doesn't feel good to me anymore. I used to be the person saying that, but just doesn't feel good to me now. It feels quite restrictive. Obviously, eat the mushroom pasta if you like mushroom pasta, but let's not be scared of actual pasta. Fab as an Italian, it's like, yes, pasta. <laughs> and yeah, so then I was going to put it on my website, on my kind of blog. I kind of put podcast that I've been in. And then I noticed that they deleted it, but they hadn't told me. And I was like, ooh, which is funny because I was getting kind of vibes like, actually, maybe that we are not such a good fit. As we thought we were but it was still upsetting for me to be taken down and for them to have not said to me. Um so I just I suppose the point in that the learning is not everything you think is an opportunity is gonna be an opportunity and a good fit and like that's okay and then also to be sad about stuff but then let it go. I've let it go now I might not sound like I have but I'm not bothered.
0: <laughs> you know what though you had all the rights. I mean I mean still saying to husband you know husbands of all the business ladies mm. out there we see you we, we celebrate you thank you for listening mm. to us but even if I if they understand his point I also still understand that especially I'm actually going to get on your side now and not just because I keep saying it when it's like how my members I get really protective like my my mm-hmm. fab comes back but it's also like I would say regardless okay listeners so let's let's get this clear but even if they feel, okay, maybe this is not the best fit because afterwards we've realized that for X, Y, and Z reason, some of the messaging was clashing. Still, I think it's still nice practice to say something because in a way we need to understand that it's not just a case of maybe, first of all, if they invited you, then they should have known that this was kind of the messaging we were talking about. But even if it was a case of you, let's say, maybe not nailing the message, which in my opinion is not they also are the people that invited you. They're the people that did the thing, They listened to the thing. So they should have owned it. I'm going to put it out there. As I said, not just because I'm a protective mama. <laughs> there's there's also a very important thing to say because it's still breaching trust. So I think it's very important to remember that I love the the, mess- the the lesson that you drew, but also as another lesson, if something doesn't fit and you realize it and you want to make sure that it's, you're making the best thing for yourself and for the other person's audience, be honest. Somebody is going to maybe be upset and then they're going to get over it. But if you don't say anything, to me, it's worse because then you get somebody wondering, what happened? What did I do wrong? And I don't think it's the best way to build a relationship, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think as well, if you just fly or just drop that quick message, actually, you're kind of leaving the door open if things change in the future. Whereas now, I think I would be a bit like, hmm, not sure I want to do, I want to work with them. I Think I still followed them on Instagram, but I just put them on mute. <laughs> I was I like this is the
0: halfway house of <laughs> the truth <laughs> comes out, kids. The truth comes out. <laughs> love it. <laughs> now, to get ourselves just a bit on more of a uplifting note, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put you on the spot because it's gonna be a hard thing. But since again, as I as I mentioned, obviously we've we'll been known you for a while, you've been a member literally throughout every possible iteration of the business which has been now almost eight years this this coming year is going to be eight which is insane if you were to summarize hard but creative impact in the community in one word what would that be
1: one word oh my gosh um well it's not a word but I'm kind of imagining do you know you're saying like do you know when you just scoop people up in your arms like oh um because I'm can i can I carry on talking <laughs> i think it's very versatile as well in that you've got lots of offers for lots of different kinds of people so it's like kind of if you're struggling with something like if you like went in the form or so it's like ah oh, this is what i'm struggling with if it was like i just need to vent someone else i'm sure we'll have that same problem and we'll be like oh my gosh totally understand um uh, let you vent but also if it is more strategic stuff I'm sure you'd have things to point people to so you don't feel stuck and alone as well so and I just like to keep up with what you're doing and the awards and stuff I think it's just like you say that supportive because you can't remember how you phrased it at the beginning but you're downplaying the things but like I'd had my blog for like well less than a year maybe like eight months or something maybe seven eight months um and then I won an award with the health focus community Um, actually for everyone not listening uh, not listening (laughs) everyone who wasn't there I didn't win the category that I'd entered which was like best newcomer or something wasn't it and I was like oh I'm a bit sad Ikea really tried and then you Fab was describing me I did not get that she was describing me in my blog because it's funny to see it through someone else's eyes and what you were saying about I was just like eat my salad and then you were like she's eating her salad, <laughs> Rachel, I was like, oh my god, they believe in me, like, this is so nice, so that was lovely, that was a highlight to the beginning of my my blog.
0: Bless you, that means a lot to <laughs> us, and actually, one thing that I want to jump on, because you mentioned about the venting, I'll be honest, um, we have two weekly sessions, so there's something on Monday for, like, in, like, goals and checking in, and then there's more of, like, an accountability element on, on Wednesday, and there there's, Usually at least another event, which is more like doing stuff, like workshops and implementation. But these two are really good because there's, I mean, I'm not just saying this, there's at least one person that always vents. And that's fine because that's a safe space. And they're like, oh, it's so nice that I can just say this here. Because then we say, we open the floor and say, anybody else has felt that way. What have you done? or How have you dealt with it? And people are like, yeah, I feel with this on a monthly basis. This is how I feel. And this is how I deal with it. And I think it's really important to normalize these conversations and for us creating that safe space with creative impact or how many iterations we've had is why I still do what I do because I know that we're always going to need that space. And just to finish off uh, on that note, we the good thing is that we were talking about it as a team and we just also know that we really want to bring back, by the time of recording, if anything, in-person meetups, even if they're probably going to be something smaller, just to make it easier because God knows how things are going to be. But we just everybody's missing it, and I think it's been great that we could connect online, and now it's going to be nice to give opportunities also to meet up offline and I have both options so that people can actually see each other in the flesh again, because as you said, it's something that we did a lot, a lot at the beginning, and we all missed it. So it's nice that now we can see that I liked end of the tunnel with that one, because I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Can I just say something else, which I'm, like, so happy about and, like, past me would be, like, gobsmacked, when um, you were doing the Health Blog Awards, um, and then actually one year first I was like I think you should have a category for mental health and then you put the category for mental health and I was like oh excellent and then, then I think the next year or the year after I was like hi can I be a judge which obviously <laughs> I've got the qualifications I've got a PhD in psychology and I could know my stuff but then that was also really nice that I think you just really support people and give people that opportunity to grow and have new experiences and things as well so I was so excited about that but judging was really hard it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be
0: yeah well we're not going to cut you some snack on that one if, if you <laughs> want to do the work you're going to do the work um and you did it excellently and you know that's and again thank you again for recognizing that because I realized that it's good to give a platform to people that have a big audience because they took the time to build the audience but also give a platform to people that have have the experience or they have the passion for something even if they don't have a bigger audience because I think that's one of the key things that sometimes we forget and we feel a bit sometimes demoralized we feel oh, I don't have enough of an audience to do this thing it's like no you can you can and you can be recognized because you have the passion you put the work in so that's why also we do the awards every year because it's just to, to remind people that we see them they don't do it for the awards but we see them and we recognize that so thank you I have now the final question The question that we asked everyone for now over 100 episodes and the question is rachel if you could have brunch brunch with anyone dead or alive who would this one person be and why
1: it would be my best friend who lives in london because i just love her and i want to talk to her all the time and i don't live in london so i just love spending time with her she makes me really happy I feel like if it was someone famous, do you know, you get a bit like starstruck or a bit like, and then you would have a nice brunch, but it would also be a bit awkward. So I'd I'd go for my friends. I
0: love it. I love it. Again, there's there's no right or wrong. Is your brunch, baby? Actually, since it's going to be in London and with your best friend, would you go somewhere that you usually will go to or that you've been before that you love? Or would you actually maybe try something new and different? Because, you know, there might be like some some of the spots you've been hitting when you will kind of come down to London and things like that.
1: Yeah, I think this is a funny thing. So I don't have the healthy blog anymore, but I still get drawn in by, you know, a nice avocado on toast or like a porridge bowl or like, do you know those stereotypically like healthy um eating places still really take my fancy. So probably somewhere that does like a matcha latte or something. Um don't I don't know where. I do have a saved um folder on Instagram of cafes. Um to go to so maybe I'd have a look in there or see see what's on my friend um is a great fan of like do you know when it's like a brunch but it's also an event I think she went to like a drag brunch before or like different themed brunches so we might find a themed a themed brunch or will see I
0: love it I love it Rachel if people want to find out more about you where can we direct them first and foremost before I let you say that I want to thank you again for being here with us um obviously i want to thank you for being such a cheerleader and a supporter for such a long time it's always nice to obviously see people grow as i said you saw us grow we saw you grow so thank you for that um once again and and also for the amazing work that you do because it's so important as well to foster those conversations and after that let us know where we can engage more and share the love and spread the love Yes, I would also just say, sorry,
1: I know this, going to, this episode is probably even longer, one more thing, um, because I, I knew you had the podcast and so I DMed you, I'm not sure if you replied to me um on your Instagram account, I was like, hi, can I be on the podcast? I think it would, I kind of proposed an idea and they were like, oh yes, fill out these forms and I was like, oh no we're friends just let me on (laughs) I had to go through the pop channels guys and pitch my (laughs) pitch myself um yeah where can you find me so my instagram is rachel.evans.phd and then my website is eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk and if you are interested more in eating disorders and you like podcasts uh, my podcast is called just eat
0: normally Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpactco. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.